My word today is called Through Closed Doors. How sometimes you and I close doors in our lives and it takes Jesus to come through the closed doors. Because we're afraid we close doors and we can spend the rest of our lives hiding in fear. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, he gives us a courage and the door is opened. So that's what I'm talking about today. The reason I am sharing this with you today is because on um, Monday I was working on the message for today and throughout the day I was working and I read this scripture I'm going to read. And as I read it, I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, this is what you have to speak about. So I put aside the other word and then I worked on this word. I know that this is God's Holy Spirit speaking. That's nothing to do with me, it's everything to do with him. He wants to say something to some of us here. So I hope and I pray that your heart and your mind would be open and that we would all have, including me, ears to hear what the Spirit might want to say to the church. When we talk about doors opening and closing, I often pray that for people. People ask me to pray for their future. And I pray, Lord, would you open all the right doors and would you close the doors? And, and, and I pray this and they're, they're good prayers. But when I think of doors, I always think of Revelation 3.20. When Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what will Jesus do? He will come in. He will come in. And that's so true. But let's take that verse in its context. Because while everything we said about it is true, let's just look at it. Revelation 3, 19 and 20. And this is the Lord speaking to a church in Laodicea. Those whom I love I also discipline, so repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. So, for the door to open in anyone's heart, first of all, if you read this verse in context, repentance is needed. So if you're here for the first time at something like this and you know that God is knocking on the door of your heart, part of the next step is repenting. Would anyone say amen? amen. What does repent mean? It means turning away, doing a U-turn, not going the way you were, but taking a new path in life. And that's what we call being born again. But equally, if you're a Christian, and like they did in Laodicea, you've gone lukewarm, then you have probably lost the presence of God in your life. You no longer sense Jesus near you. You're no longer walking in the full blessing that God wants for your life. And for the Lord to come back into your life with his blessing and his presence and his peace. There's a repentance needed because repentance is part of the Christian experience. And the Spirit was saying to the church of the Christians in Laodicea, repent of being lukewarm. Turn around again. Love me with all your heart again. And then I will come in. So the Lord is knocking at different doors on different hearts with people in different situations. In that situation, 
Jesus will never come through the door until we make a choice. But that's not what I'm really talking about today. I want to talk about when we lock the doors and when Jesus will come through anyway. Because I know God is speaking to someone here about that. I'm going to share from John chapter 20 and I pray, oh heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would send your Holy Spirit upon every heart and mind in this hall, watching online, upstairs, and that what is from you would be heard so clearly. And whatever's from me would soon be forgotten. Feed us, oh God. And help us to be the men and women we were born to be. In Jesus' name. John chapter 20. Let's take a look. And if you're watching online, it's all up on the screen here. On the Sunday evening of Jesus' resurrection, the disciples were together with some others. But they had locked and bolted the doors as they were afraid of the Jews. Then... Jesus came and he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He then showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And a second time Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed upon them saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Here we see straight away that this is the first day of the week. Your version of the Bible probably says that, but it's the day we know is Sunday. And that morning, Jesus had risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And he had risen from the dead and he had appeared to Mary Magdalene. It was the day of his resurrection. But here now, we see that the disciples were together with some others. It is almost certain they were in what we know as the upper room. That was the room they were hiding in. And there were ten of the twelve there. Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord, had committed suicide. And then Thomas wasn't at church, wasn't at the meeting. We don't know where Thomas was, and maybe it's because I'm his namesake. I always think Thomas was just busy with life. Thomas was out with all his projects. That has to be done, that has to be done, that has to be done. Thomas was a man about his business, but guess what? If you're too busy for Jesus, you miss out on the blessing. He should have been at the meeting. He should have been at church. Amen. Amen. That's you and me too. Amen. Uh -huh. okay. So there were the ten and there were some others. Who were the others? Almost certainly some of the women who were at Calvary, who stood by with Jesus, who didn't run away. Such as his mother Mary, Salome, the other Mary, Mary Magdalene. They would have been there. So here they are gathered together and they know something is up, but they're, they're a mess. They're a hot mess. They're all over the place. They're not sure what's going on. They're confused. They're afraid. They're probably panicking. I bet you some of them are having panic attacks. There's all kinds of things going on. And we're told by description, they had locked and bolted the doors because they were afraid of the Jews. Fear 
It's like cancer. Fear is like cancer. If you let it go untreated, it will destroy you. Fear is the total opposite of faith. And I know, because I've been there myself, that there are locked and bolted doors in our lives because we're afraid of something. I know we're all Christians. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> we're human too, aren't we? Yeah. And we're afraid of stuff, and maybe we're afraid of whatever. But they were afraid of the Jews. Now it's very logical because the Jews had just slaughtered Jesus. And the Jews had paired up with the invader, the Roman army, the most powerful empire on earth. So they had the religious establishment, they had the leaders of the society in Palestine who had teamed up with the military power. It's like all of the powers of hell were arrayed against this tiny little bunch of probably mainly uneducated, ordinary people who were terrified for their lives. So no wonder they locked and bolted the doors. My question is, when we don't want to be hurt, who are your Jews today? Who are your Jews? God forbid we would be anti-Semitic. I am not about to launch into some mad theory that people who are Jewish are against us. So if you're watching from the synagogue, feel safe. We're not after you. I'm speaking figuratively, symbolically. Who are your Jews? Because I think we all have, if you will, someone who are like the Jews back then to the disciples. You see, I hear it a lot. I see it a lot. For a lot of people, it's someone in work. It could be the supervisor, or it could be a workmate that kind of harasses or bullies. Sometimes it's a lecturer in college, or another student in college, or a teacher in secondary school. Horror of horrors, very often I see it in marriages where someone is really afraid of their partner of being hurt and they've locked and bolted doors. It could be a daughter, it could be a father, it could be a friend, it could be the doctor. The list is endless. But I know and I speak and I prophesy here today. Some of us have Jews in our lives and we're afraid. So we've locked and we've bolted the doors. I know what it feels like, I've done it. But what I want to say is listen on. Because that is not where Jesus wants you. He doesn't want you or me to waste our lives, because that's what it is. We waste our lives by being afraid. You were born for something far greater than that. Would anyone say amen? amen. Jesus is greater than any bolted door. Hallelujah. Amen. We're told in verse 19, Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Now, if you were here last week or watching last week, and this has been happening to me for probably two months, almost every time I open the Bible, I'm, I'm reading, Peace be with you. It's like, this is really something the Lord is saying to me anyway. But I want us to just consider this one sentence because it's the kind of sentence 
I anyway, just rush through to get to the next bit. But I want us to pause at it. Because if you see the commas there, it's telling you and me something. Then Jesus came. Pause. He stood among them. Pause. And then they heard him say, Peace be with you. And when you read into it, there's a reason for these pauses. Because the New Testament was written in a language called Koinonia Greek, ancient Greek. And it's a very rich language and it was a language that had a lot of nuance in it. So when we read this, we're reading something deeper than what we first see. And I began to look it up, and I saw many great Bible scholars, including one guy I thought put it so beautifully, explained this verse. This is Henry Alford. He was a theologian and writer. He said, the word used in Greek of how Jesus came and stood describes the unseen arrival among them that preceded his becoming visible to them. So it's the Greek word... And when he came and stood, they actually were, they didn't see him then. He came, he stood, that's unseen. Then he became visible, and then they heard the words. In other words, brothers, sisters, they sensed him, they felt him before they saw him. Maybe you sense him here now. Or maybe you sensed him driving here. Or maybe at some stage during the week. Or maybe it's about to happen later on today. But sometimes we sense him, we feel him nearby, but we don't see him. And you see, a lot of people dismiss Jesus coming into their lives like this because they don't physically see him. But here we have these guys who saw nothing, but they knew he was there. You don't see the wind, but you feel it. Whether it's a mighty wind blowing right through you, or even if it's just a gentle warm breeze. Whatever type of wind it is, you don't see it, but you see the impact. You feel it. In the same way, when God comes into our experience, when his presence comes through that door, we will sense it unless we're tone deaf. And can I appeal to you, you're not. Because in the heart of every man, whether you believe in God or not, the truth is the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. The truth is, God wants to commune with you and me. That's why we were created. Right at the beginning, God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us create man in our image that we might have fellowship, might have community, might have relationship, might have connection with him or her. Let us create that we might connect. So God wants to connect with you. And everything in the heart of Father God wants you to sense him. If only we turn off the music if only we'll pause and you don't have to have anyone around you if you're someone who doesn't like anything public that's okay just be on your own because he wants to connect with you and here they are standing inside or sitting in the room and they're terrified and the doors are bolted and just they're inside in this negative panic nightmare and they sense the atmosphere changing 
You see, everywhere Jesus goes, he changes the atmosphere. Amen. He went into parties full of prostitutes and gangsters, and he changed the atmosphere. And people started weeping, and people turned to him. So they sensed him and felt him before they saw him. And we're told that the disciples were so glad when they saw the Lord. They were so glad in verse 20. And this is something we probably go, yeah, of course they were. They were seeing the Lord. Uh, 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 uh. No. Remember what happened just before this? They, weren't exa- they didn't exactly leave Jesus on good terms. And maybe you've come in here today and you're not exactly on good terms with the Lord. Well, that's exactly the kind of door Jesus came through. We're told, Matthew, for example, in verse 56 of chapter 26 says, When they arrested Jesus, all of the disciples left him and fled. They were afraid. None of them stood by the Lord except for John. All the other big hairy men fishermen who knew how to handle themselves, who wouldn't take any rubbish from anyone, confident fellas around the Galilee, fellas who were respected, men in their prime, they all ran like tiny little children, terrified, afraid of being arrested. And that was their last experience of Jesus. If you will, they deserted the Lord. And I bet you there's people in here today And you know in your life, something began to go lukewarm and you deserted the Lord. You know what? You're in the right place because here we can get right with God. What I love, what I love is that when Jesus came through those bolted doors, he didn't take them on. He didn't say, right everyone, I have something to deal with in here. He didn't come in full of judgment. Hallelujah. He didn't come in to beat them up. He didn't say, you're a right pack of wusses, the lot of ye. Y'all ran when I was being arrested. No, no, never mentioned it. He didn't come in and he didn't say, why is that door locked and bolted? Mm. Call yourselves men of faith. No. No, nothing of the sort happened. He came in and he said, peace, shalom, be with you. And just in case they didn't get it the first time, He repeats it a second time, we're told, in verse 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. Jesus brings peace into our lives. He brings peace to the tormented mind. He brings peace to the heart that is hurting. He brings peace to those who are lonely. He brings peace to those who are panicking. He brings peace to those who are sick. So often he brings healing. And he said... As the Father has sent me, so I have sending you. Not only does he bring peace, he gives them a future. He tells them, even though they drop the ball, they've got a future. Because God is for you, not against you. Do you believe that? Honestly, if you don't believe that, you are missing out on so much. God is for you, not against you. And if God is for you, who? Who, who can be against you? And then we're told he breathed upon them, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. So he says, 
peace a second time. And I know the Lord is saying to someone here today, would you embrace my peace? You have to receive it. You have to, by faith, receive it this morning. No matter how dirty you feel, no matter how weak a Christian you feel, or maybe you've never even come to that place, wherever you're at, Jesus is offering you peace today. So you can go out that door in about 15 minutes and you can go out with peace or you can go out with the burden you came in here today with. The choice is yours. But can I encourage you, leave with the peace of God today. Amen. Would anyone else say amen? amen? Leave with the peace of God. He breathed upon them saying, receive the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that he breathed upon them? It's so interesting that even though the Old Testament is Hebrew and the New Testament is Greek, that that word breathed is exactly the same word, if you translate them both, that we find in Genesis 2 chapter 7, where we're told God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. Right at the beginning of the human journey. With the proto-man, with the original man, Adam, God breathed life into him. He, they cre he created Adam out of the dust. And you go to any scientist, most of our bodies are either water or they have all the chemical compounds that you find in dust. Man was created out of that and then God breathed life into him. And so Adam was born. What's happening here when Jesus did that is the disciples were now born again. Theologically, that's what most Bible-believing Christians believe. Up to this point, the disciples were on a journey, but here they were born again. Because when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. It's called the indwelling at salvation. But then there is a second blessing called Holy Spirit baptism, and that's what happened at Pentecost. But the first one is vital. When you come to know the Lord, the Holy Spirit makes you, if you will, part of the temple of God, because he's living in you. Some people get beat up and they say, I never spoke in tongues, I never got that blessing. But you know, the Holy Spirit is still in you. Amen. You don't have to wait to speak in tongues for the Holy Spirit to be in you. Once you love the Lord, He's in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't often hear me say this, but name it and claim it. Because that's definitely something that you really can name and claim. There ain't nothing controversial about that. But the next blessing is where the Holy Spirit fills us, baptizes us. Usually, though not always, accompanied by the gift of tongues or other languages, prayer languages. And when that happens, it's a different experience of the Holy Spirit. John Wesley of the Methodists used to call it the second blessing. I think it's a good description. So here we see he breathed upon them. And then something happened because we read over the next just short couple of weeks, they began preparing, they started getting ready. Something was different after Jesus came through those bolted doors. And someone asked me after the first service, how did Jesus go through the bolted doors? You see, he is not restricted by anything physical. No matter what barrier, is against the Lord. He can overcome that. He can break through cancer. Would anyone say hallelujah? Uh, that was really weak. 
Do you believe Jesus can break through cancer? Maybe it's not a big deal to you. I tell you, if you're someone you love, it's a big deal. Jesus can break through depression. Can you say hallelujah? Jesus can break through suicide. Can you say hallelujah? Jesus can break through addiction. Who'll say hallelujah? And he breaks through loneliness. Can I get one more hallelujah? That's the God we serve. Whatever the bolted door, he'll come right through it. So what happened? A couple of weeks they prepared and then we read that on the day of Pentecost, 120 were in the upper room and suddenly there was the sound, 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 nothing visible just yet, sound of a mighty wind and then sight, 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 tongues of fire individually over each of the 120 appeared and they began to speak in other tongues, in other languages, heavenly and earthly prayer languages. And what happened? There weren't any bolted doors because we're told in Acts 2.6 when the crowds in Jerusalem heard them speak in tongues, they were amazed. How did they hear them? Weren't the doors closed? Weren't they all in a little holy huddle? No. They went out through the doors. And they went out onto the street and out onto what we call the southern steps of the temple. And they began to proclaim the word of God. And that day, 3,000 were added. You see, the enemy said, you're going to get killed. But Jesus said, 3,000 will be added. And the next day, they weren't afraid either because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The next day, 5,000 were added. Now, which do you want in your life? Do you want fear and hiding? Or do you want to be able to go through the door that you locked? Jesus has come through the door for you. And now he wants us to go through that door. Would anyone say hallelujah? Would the band come up, please? Praise God. We're going to sing this song. It's called, what a beautiful name, and I love when it says, Death could not hold you. It's speaking of Jesus. If death couldn't hold Jesus, do you think your locked door can hold him? Do you think the problem you have with your employer, or your husband, or your daughter, is going to hold Jesus back from that situation? I promise you, without fear of contradiction, if you allow him in, Jesus will change your situation. The bolted door will not stop him. Death could not hold you. Fail tore before you. Silence the boast of sin and grave. You have no rival. You have no equal. Will we stand and sing it? And then we're going to pray that God's Holy Spirit will refresh and move upon you. And that you will feel Him breathe upon you. You may be born again, but we need the touch of the Spirit again again in our lives. Let's sing it as a prayer.